This is One Ogden. I'm John Miles. Cameron and Willie are the creators and hosts of The Other Side of Hell, a show about sharing stories of addiction and recovery to give people hope and strength in their own recovery. Their show's been on a break for a few months, but they've just opened a new studio downtown and they're recording new episodes now. I think coming back to it, like with a completely different attitude, at least at least in my part, just because I feel like I've also been struggling a lot, like with my own recovery and kind of where I'm at with my own sobriety. Like I feel super strong about um, whether or not I'm going to drink or drug. Like I'm not an idiot. I don't. I I, I think that I'm not um, immune to the idea that. Um, doing any of that stuff would take me right back to where I want to be. But I'm getting real honest with myself about like what, what I really struggle with, like the food and just like what food has done to me. Well, like, and even deeper than that, like not just the food, but why the food? Yeah. Yeah. Like why, like what is it about? Because I still feel like I'm in, in a drinking and drugging haze, even though I'm not, you know, partaking in drugs and alcohol. Like I, I feel like I'm, I'm in that uh, negative place with my behavior with food. Well, it's like chasing endorphins. Is just, that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just like eating food alcoholically, mm. and yeah, like trying to fill like an internal void with an external substance. So yeah, I mean, endorphins or even. I think the difference, the biggest difference between food and drugs and alcohol is like. As soon as the fork hits the plate, it's over. Like any any joy or bliss that you felt is over. And now it's like, okay, what now? Whereas with drugs and alcohol, like you at least have a couple hours before you start really regretting, you know, yeah, your, the decision. And, yeah. yeah. And so is the podcast a lot like a uh, group for you guys? And like, did it even it, take It's place very like? therapeutic, yeah. Very, very. I think that's what we've realized is like having not had it just how much it was doing for us like i think it's been like oh man like i was actually getting a lot more from doing the (laughs) podcast than i thought yeah Yeah, just getting on here and being so fucking open and like there are some things that we with it that we avoid talking about uh you know for for me a lot of it is like sexual stuff that if my wife listened to the show may affect her emotions or make her feel bad or, or have her feel some sort of way. So there are certain things that, that I tame down quite a bit, but mm. um, it's it's never about anything that she's ever done. It's usually about the way that I think, mm-hmm. you know, as far as, you know, selfish sexual desires or behaviors or something like that. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep that pretty tame, but other than that, we're fucking wide open. Well, I'm curious about that because, I mean, so I, I get that that's like the benefit of the anonymity of a group. Like, that's why it's Alcoholics Anonymous. So you can really talk about even some of that stuff that might hurt somebody else. But after so long in group, it's not really anonymous anymore, right? Like, you want to know those people. <laughs> yeah. Is that true? Yeah. If you go to the same, especially if you go to the same group with the same people, like, you generally tend to know each other. But anonymity is more than just, you know, like, I, I, uh, like, outside of these rooms like i don't know you and you don't know me and and we're not using each other's last name i think 
a big part of anonymity for me is like doing things anonymously. Mm. And that would be like, you know, an act of service without needing acknowledgement. Well, and so let's go back to uh, creating the podcast. Like, was that uh, like you guys were, I'm, I'm assuming, pretty active in group then and you just kind of wanted mm-hmm. to expand out from what you were doing? Not me. And I think this is just a, a, a point I want to make just so that I can keep the verbiage straight. But like when you say group, mm. I think of like rehab and recovery because mm. that's what you do like when you're in rehab is you go to group when you're outside, like, or at least for me, like when you're done with rehab and, and, uh, and and aftercare and all that stuff, now you're just going to like AA meetings. Mm -hmm. So like we refer to it as meetings, meetings. right? So like, uh, good point. They are different. Yeah. And I guess I'll just explain it just a little bit. Like, but with a group, you're generally talking about your problems, you know, things that you're dealing with stuff that we talk about on the show with, um, an AA meeting, a lot of what you're talking about is like spreading the message of solutions. AA. Yeah, like the solution, um, and uh, and it's 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 not meant to be a group. Wait a minute. So wait, I want to clarify that a meeting in my mind is is you're there just like talking about the struggles you've had and sort of how to kind of cope with those on a long term basis, but that is spreading the message of AA. How how we do it. Oh, how to how, 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 to how deal we with cope that. with that stuff, how okay. we how we handle that, how we've moved how past we it. I see. So the way that you're reminding people every week how to deal with it, that's yeah. what you mean by spreading instead the of, gotcha. Instead of like maybe a, a group leader or a therapist or somebody out there kind of leading the group and mm-hmm. single person giving feedback towards you. It's more of uh, you taking a topic and expressing your um, experience with that and how you've coped with it, and how you've dealt with it and the, the tools that you've learned and are able to use in order to do that stuff and hopefully somebody else there it's not it's not me giving advice to anybody right. or me doing any of that stuff it's me saying you know this is the struggle that i had and this is how i dealt with it mm. mm-hmm. yeah you're share you're, you're like you're at you're at, you're at a meeting to share your experience strength and hope oftentimes and if you have like a problem like you might take to group then generally that's something you should be working out with like your sponsor or something you should ask somebody about like after a meeting Huh. Um, but meetings are generally just somewhere that you you go to hear the hope and the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Sometimes you just go just not be alone, fucking eat donuts and smoke. Right. But so you're just listening to like a presentation a lot of times. You're not really. No, I mean, there's, there's here's the it, thing is like there is around. Yeah, is a yeah. Group of people. It's just that like they, they specifically will say like no crosstalk, which means like if you share something, then I, I don't say. Yeah, John, here's what I would do if I was in your oh, situation. Yeah. Like, you share something and then I'll share something. And maybe the something that I share is related to what you've shared. It's my experience with what you've shared. But I'm not there to tell you what I am do or to tell you what to do. I'm there to share my experience. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, like, whereas group is like, dude, I, you know, drove past the liquor store today and I had these thoughts and, you know, like, I didn't really know what to do. And then somebody might be like, well... I don't know, like, did you call somebody or, you know, like, the, like sort of investigate the whole behavior. Um, meetings are a lot different than that. I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, it is kind of interesting to talk about the differences between them because yeah. 
Yeah, and I've never, I've from, never even from, thought to explain yeah, it from 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 the outside looking in. They, like, here's a group, and here's a group. How are they different? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. now everybody has some insight. Here. What, <laughs> what they can expect in an AA meeting. Yeah, right. So uh, back to the beginning, though. Yeah. How, how it turned into a podcast. So how it turned into a podcast is uh, we basically we had a mutual friend that we knew through meetings, and I I had, I had met Willie when I was in rehab. Yeah, I remember being pretty moved by by what he said and what he shared. And so, like, we continued to have a relationship when I got out of treatment, and I would just see him at meetings, and we would talk every once in a while. Um, And then uh, we had a mutual friend. I would like to say that he asked me what I thought about doing a podcast because I shared a lot of wisdom, strength, and hope in meetings, but that wasn't the case. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, I need your skills, not your wisdom. Yeah. He asked, he asked me to do it, and I said no. Right. He's, he was like, we, we should do a podcast. And I said, fuck that, man. I'll end up doing all the work. We'll be there by myself. I'm not, I'm we got to jump- find somebody else yeah, to do I'm not jumping work. into bed with you. And then out of, out of somewhere, I think we were at a meeting or something, and you'd mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And said, yeah, we're like we want to do this. And we went, Jordan, we, you know, we talked to Jordan. I said, all right, well, if it's not just him, then maybe I'll think about doing it. Right. Yeah, once Billy was on board, like I knew it, I knew it could be a good thing because I, I always really connected with what Willie said and got a lot of hope from uh, from his words. And and uh, the other the other guy who approached us and had talked about it was fairly new to recovery. He yeah. only had a, a couple of months at that time. Anyway, so we started doing the show. It was just the three of well, yeah, it was the three of us for a long time. Um, and then he left the show. Yeah, so we just continued and we we kept moving on and we kind of um, we built like a, a really good following via Instagram and we met all sorts of people like all over the nation like through Instagram and it was actually really cool to see and connect with like all these people in recovery through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, personally, like I'm somebody who has a lot of mixed feelings towards social media. So to be able to use like social media in a positive way and connect with, you know, this whole recovery community that we didn't really know was out there was actually really, really cool. So was the core idea always the war story thing? Yeah. Yeah, So like when we refer to uh, a war story, like what we're talking about is somebody's, journey like what it was like what happened and what it's like now in recovery right but a lot of times when people are referring to a war story it's generally just something that happened in 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 active addiction but for us like we always wanted to share people's stories of of recovery and we weren't sure exactly what that was going to look like but we knew we wanted to share one person's story on each show and that we wanted to talk about a specific topic um, and so that's how we, we moved forward for a long time. Then we ended up picking the topic from what they shared in their war story. And we really tried to like turn the show around and make it less about us and more about, um, you know, the person who was sharing their war story and kind of what they were going through and how we related and like our situations and, and how it was similar or different and, and what we did in that instance and, and uh, and make the show more about you know those people than us like what happens with the show financially or anything like that i think the important thing is that we can share hope with people who 
who may not have any. Yeah. And uh, it's it's been really, really cool. Like, yeah. not having it for this last six months, like I said, has been kind of really strange in a lot of ways. Um, and we've had people reach out to us and be like, are you guys coming back? Like, what's happening? Yeah. Yes. We, <laughs> we have a we are coming dope back. new studio. Yeah, you do. Um, how many episodes do you guys have? I think there's 136. 36. Wow. 38 or something, yeah. When was it that you started? When was that? It was like... 2018, maybe? No, I would say it was 2019. 2019, 2020. Yeah, because it was like, I think COVID episodes were like episode 38 or something uh, like that. Yeah. They were early on. We did a couple episodes. Via Zoom. Via Zoom only. Outside the studio, we're still able to get some people to tell their stories. And, and we did a little different format for that. And then we got back in the studio and... Well, really, it was COVID that made us reach out to Instagram yeah. people. Like, I mean, that was one of the blessings that came from COVID for us is because we we had just been getting stories from people in our community, people we had met in meetings or people we had known for however long. And then when COVID hit, it was like, okay, like we aren't going to see these people at meetings anymore. Like we need to start, we need to think about this differently. So we started asking people um, on Instagram and it turned out to be like a huge blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was going to say like, I think some of your early episodes that I listened to, like they had, you know, you might sort of talk <coughs> about how somebody was a former Mormon and how that sort of affected their journey and stuff. There was like an element of Utah. Do you think there's still an sure. element of Utah in the podcast? Oh yeah. We talk, we talk a lot about religious deconversion. You know, the podcast isn't just we've we've learned that it's not just about drug and alcohol recovery it's about uh trauma you know overcoming trauma and and all those things and and the unfortunate truth is that you know there's a lot of sexual trauma there's a lot of uh, uh physical abuse there's a lot of um emotional scars you know when we talk about eating or drinking mm-hmm. or gambling or sex addiction we have we have people talk about all those things. And, and one of the other things that I've shared pretty extensively on is my deconversion from a religion, you know, being able to walk away from the God that I was given at birth to have my own experience with a power greater than myself. And, uh, I think a lot of people have that, not just here, just in humanity in general, mm-hmm. you know, so many people have, were grew up with, with one idea being shoveled down their throat and it just made it miserable. Mm-hmm. And, a, it's a pretty neat place for him to come and talk about what that was like leaving it and then being okay. Well, you know, that, that you know, from a purely spiritual perspective, there are, uh, I would say, a whole lot of damaging drug, drugs, but some spiritually beneficial. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how does that fit into the ideology? Like, the guy in, in town who thinks that mushrooms enhance his relationship with God, he's a Mormon guy, but he, he feels like it should be part of his religion, you know? I, mean, I think it's true for him. You know, and we've had people on the show uh, express their experience to drug and alcohol recovery from ayahuasca, ayahuasca yeah. uh, cannabis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're, we're an all pathways recovery podcast because we recognize and realize that what works for one will not work for another and what doesn't work for somebody will work for somebody else. And I think the the important thing is to get as many messages out there as possible so that people don't have to feel alone. Mm-hmm. And hopefully whatever message we get uh, from from somebody that may have went to um, South America and did a ayahuasca ceremony and were able to get sober from drugs or alcohol or both or clean up 
their lives spiritually because of that experience. I think it's important for other people to hear and know that that works. Mm -hmm. Uh Specifically for us, like we, we are both members of a 12 step program and in a 12 step program, like you abstain from all mind altering chemicals. And so even though like I may be able to see the, the value and the benefit of something like mushrooms for, to enhance a spiritual experience, like, for me, that's not the commitment that I've made. Right. Like, I've made a commitment to abstain from all mind-altering um, substances. And um, truth be told, like, there's nothing to say that if I was to, you know, trip on mushrooms, that it wouldn't click something in me that, you know, makes me want to. Well, well, you know what else wasn't so bad was cocaine yeah. and mushrooms. That, you know, <clears throat> all of a sudden I'm right down the path of uh, of drinking and drugging all over again. So, it it, it for me is just a safe bet that I abstain from all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even though there's definitely been times like in my recovery where I've thought about just exactly that, like, Oh man, I wonder like, you know, having like, uh, or especially when we hear people talk about ayahuasca and the spiritual like experience that they've yeah, had, um, there, there's for sure moments where it's like, you know, maybe I did this all wrong. Yeah. Maybe I should have done that. Yeah. And we've had people come on, you know, not only talk about those experiences, but, but harm reduction therapy, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, we're not we're not the arbiter of anybody else's life uh-huh. or or recovery experience, you know. And so uh, there's so many different pathways to that. What what we hope to gain and what we hope to give from the show are the experiences of enough people that whoever's listening to the show is eventually sooner than later hopefully going to hear the thing that they need to hear and that'll put them on the pathway to the healing that they need uh-huh. maybe somebody microdosing somewhere might help them mm-hmm. recover mm-hmm. but it might have you know somebody may have an addiction personality and then that yeah. is a slippery slope yeah, to them. for sure and you do need to to let people know that there's something but, available for whatever type they mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah there's potential advantages and disadvantages to all those like everybody's different like some people can smoke weed just fine, and some people have psychotic breaks when they, you know, choose to uh, yeah, partake I get, in that. I get obsessive. <laughs> I, beca- right. I become that motherfucker that just all day, every day, no matter what I'm Well, I, just, I think that's maybe a perception a lot of people have of treatment is that you're going to get stuck into this kind of box, and you're going to, you know, everything's going to get treated the same way. I think... Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, like, treatment for me, I think the biggest thing that I got from, like, treatment was... Even though eventually for me, treatment would lead me to a 12-step program, like treatment for me was like I was able to see like what recovery looked like. Like I I had been drinking and drugging for so long and I just assumed that that's what everybody did. You know, like I assumed that everybody would would drink a whole bottle of vodka and drive. Like that was just because it's what I did. Yeah. Like I, I just assumed that's what everybody was doing. And like when I, when I couldn't not do it, like when I couldn't stop doing it and I finally like went into a facility where there were other people like me and it became very, very clear that not only did, you know, like people not drink and drug the way that I did, but that there was people who used to drink and drug the way that I did that don't anymore. And, and now they're in this, you know, this thing called recovery, which for me was like, Oh, there's this whole new world. Like no matter how you get there, right? Like whether you get there through ayahuasca or you get there through harm reduction or methadone or, or whatever the case is, like 
you know, your path to recovery is your own. But the point is, is like, there is another way, right? Mm. There is another way to live your life. There is hope. And you don't have to keep doing the things that you're doing if you don't want to. I think also one of the things that you're going to hear if you listen to the show, one of the things that, that we really tried it to um, relay, we've, we've had people on the show, we've had some people on the show that were completely non-drug addict or alcoholic people that were affected by drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, we had uh, a mother on, uh, her name's Judy, and she told the story of her son who overdosed and died, you know, and so we got a perspective from that, you know. She they, was from here in Ogden. Yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah, they lived in California. It was in Orange County where he died, but... Um, and he, there's actually a show that she helped, documentary, put, right? she helped put together about Orange County called Behind the Orange Curtain. But um, huh. we've had people on that, that share that experience. And what we try to relate are these moments of experimentation that proved without a doubt what Cameron was saying for us, right? Like there were so many experiences where I myself thought, surely I can just drink beer. Normal people can just fucking drink a beer after work and it doesn't create this massive problem. Mm -hmm. And I would go out time and time again with the intention of just drinking a beer. And one beer went so well that I drank another beer. And then uh, all morality, (laughs) all reservation goes out the window and I'm drinking whiskey and Mm -hmm. and doing meth and... You know, I'm I'm the kind of uh, person and I've proven this over and over again in my life trying to like just being able to do mushrooms for Christmas is like the fucking ultimate dream <laughs> of every alcoholic. You know, like just all we'll do is one time. But the obsession becomes so great within me because I think that the the allergy analogy is true. Right. Um, when I put that stuff into my body, it affects me in a way that other people it doesn't other people. I don't, I don't have to try to test that anymore right? because I've done it enough. Huh. And so being able to share like, like every time that I went to the bar with one intention of just having a drink or just going to karaoke or just going to shoot pool and I took one drink, my life spun out of fucking control for an undetermined amount of time and it happened every time that I put alcohol into my body. Huh. And so being able to share that enough times with enough exact experiences you know that we don't have enough time to tell every story that i went to jail over or every fight that i got in or all the money that i spent 138 episodes expresses all that stuff pretty well all those experiences in quite a bit of detail but that's what that's what we try to do with listening to somebody else's story of doing those things and trying to to maintain their life through substance and it not working over and over again so the people can relate and go fuck that is me mm-hmm. maybe maybe there is something that needs to be done because that honesty open-mindedness and willingness you know we we admit that we have a problem and then we go through and, and inventory our lives and we look at all the examples where we've been wrong we look at all the anger we look at all the destruction that we caused and realize that none of this stuff was serving us. And it's and it's every person, every story, everyone that's gotten sober have these same things happen to them. And it's the same way that everybody gets sober. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's like there's always like three things that I seem to, three or four things that seem consistent no matter how anybody's gotten sober is like they admit, they admit that it's a problem. 
they find some sort of spiritual solution, whether it's through a, uh, a, a hallucinogenic experience or through, you know, coming to terms with their own concept of a higher power. And then they find a community that they mm-hmm. can share it with and, and then helping others help and giving yeah. back. Like those are the four things that seem to be like consistent through anybody's recovery. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, I think the the nice thing or, or the reason why we get stories from so many people is that when we're first in recovery, it's so easy to immediately dismiss our problem because our story doesn't look exactly like somebody else's story. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I never crashed my car, so I'm probably not as bad as that person, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to enough stories, you're going to hear enough yeah. to, to say, okay, you know what, like that's actually – really reminiscent of what's happening with me right now. And that guy pulled through it, you know, Mm -hmm. I say that because I feel like we've been very fortunate, um, to be here in Ogden and work with people in Ogden specifically. We have a lot of people who have come on the show who, you know, have different organizations, um, that we partner with, with the same intention, right. Of just spreading enough of a message and letting people know that there's stuff out there. That, that can help them. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to get into maybe is some specific, some local pro tips, resources type of stuff. Like, let's just say, you know, somebody just hit bottom right now. They need somewhere to go. Where do they go? I think the first thing you got to do is you got to go to detox generally. Like you got to get all the drugs out of your system. How do you do that? Um, for me, I went to uh, the ACT, the alcohol chemical treatment facility. And that's uh, in the Ogden regional hospital. You just like Google um, Ogden rehab. Yeah. I mean, and there's, there's more places than that. Like that's not the only place. It, it is a very common place here in Ogden. Um, I know a lot of people that have been through for, through that, but I do think that some sort of medical detox is necessary. Um, especially depending on what you're detoxing from, mm. but that would be the first thing. Yeah, Weaver, Weaver human services is a, huge place that you can go and get resources and find help you know? mm-hmm. and people can just walk in the front door and, and say i need help mm-hmm. at weaver human services and and they have they have complete uh rehab facilities inpatient uh, they have financial resources for people that are struggling um there's the jjs foundation uh, it's it's the one that says fight back i have that shirt that says fight back on it and I'm curious, like, let's say that somebody, somebody's nervous about it. They're not really ready to make a commitment. They maybe, you know, still feel like using a bit, but want to dip that's, their toe that's in or everybody something. Right. that ever, yeah. How does somebody dip a toe in? Well, if you're going to dip a toe in, probably go get, to a meeting. Yeah, getting arrested ain't a bad start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much works how for it me. starts, right? It works for me most times. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the way to dip a toe is to talk to somebody else that, yeah. that's had a problem. I I imagine you'll have some uh, at least at least our contact information on the show notes for this, uh-huh. you know. So that's a good place to start. Find us on Instagram. Reach out. Uh, social media is like Cameron was saying. You know, if you if you uh, do a search for any type in any word that you're curious about on your Instagram, and something will pop up. There's a giant recovery community there with a ton of resources for people that are wanting to get sober. Like, can you just call a counselor? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. for I sure. Know, I know there's hotlines. Like I, I, uh, the the very first thing that I did when I was um, trying to get sober, like before I was willing to admit that everything was a problem. <laughs> right. Like, oh no, no, like it's just the pills that are a problem. Like I can still drink. Which is true. Yeah, exactly. Well, the pills and you know everything was a problem. Like independently before it was a problem all at once <laughs> but like i actually went to a counselor so i called like um i think it was just like my insurance company or whatever and said like i need somebody that specializes in this but i would imagine anybody at like weaver human services like willie's talking about you go in there and you say hey i need to talk to a counselor mm. and they can direct you to somebody that has you know drug and alcohol addiction mm. or addiction experience yeah. um speak with you about that but here's the thing is like it doesn't do any good to go see those people and why <laughs> right <laughs> like Which I'm sure I, would, does. I would like go to my my alcoholic counselor and be like no nah, bro i only had like a bottle of wine <laughs> you know like i'm paying this guy like 15 bucks each time see him three times a week just to lie to him about yeah. whatever like and he doesn't give a shit like <laughs> If, if I'm lying or not, like he's only going to go off of what I'm saying. Yeah, ultimately, you're right, Cameron. Like, ultimately, it, it's up to you. You have to ask yourself a very serious question. And I've had to ask myself this numerous times throughout my sobriety and recovery and spiritual journey is do I want to get better? Like, mm. do I really want to get better? Mm. Because if I don't, I won't. Right? Yep. One of the neat things about the show and one of the things that I've always appreciated is that our backgrounds are probably as different as they could possibly be. We mm -hmm. came from two completely different places and we had two completely different experiences with our drug and alcohol use and the ways that we lived. You know, one of the stories that always gets me and, and I've heard it several times is the drunk mother driving her child to, to school and realizing that she's fucking driving drunk with her kids in the car. Mm -hmm. and, and like that was a moment of clarity for her. Like, that's one of them, you know, the, the woman that turned into a prostitute that, that was an all-star athlete in high school that, that ended up being a prostitute. Like, the, the places that this stuff takes us doesn't look the same. Like, like our lives don't look the same to, to each other, but our pain does. Yeah. And that's what really, what really brings us together. So if a person is suffering enough, if you're listening to this show now and you're thinking... I need to get fucking sober. Look at the show notes and find the other side of hell podcast. Click on it and then start clicking buttons until you find a resource that you need. In uh, our information, there's our direct uh, Instagram links. And so you can reach out to Cameron and our I directly. And we can we can help direct you a little bit further that way personally. Mm -hmm. you know? we, also have a, we also have a bunch of, of resources in our own show notes. And on our website. And on our website of, of hotlines, websites. The other side of hell, podcast.com. Yeah, there's a lot of people here in Ogden specifically we could point you to. There's people here that uh, that we uh, partnered with. Mm -hmm. We've, you know, we've, we've uh, done the recovery uh, convention um, with We Are One Recovery and um, uh, Recovering Addict yeah. locally and SOAR. Yep, Cole um, with uh, We Are One. Yep, uh, uh, LT with with Recovering Attic. Frank with SOAR. And SOAR stands for uh, School of Addiction. School Recovery. of Addiction Recovery. Yeah. And and each of these are different. Like SOAR, they combine uh, a lot of uh, workout routines, like uh, intense workout routines with recovery and the teachings of recovery and mm -hmm. 
and a lot of people really resonate with that and and uh, and then LT and and recovering addict they they do a little bit of that but they also combine it with um, like uh, a strong relapse prevention program right they they focus on relapse prevention um, and then uh, we are one recovery is just a way of bringing all these people together hmm. um, and and sort of uh, collecting those resources for for anybody that might be struggling so there really is a lot of hope and support here in in ogden can you guys tell me when there are some local like groups or meetings around here like when and where are those there's a ton i mean aa meetings na meetings uh the best thing to do is just go to uh the meeting app yeah let me find it specifically i can't remember it's like a little blue chair yeah meeting guide just meeting guide is what it's called that's that's AA Alcoholics Anonymous meetings everywhere, at least in the United States. It might be worldwide. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Every every meeting in the U.S. that's registered with the Alcoholics Anonymous World Service is on that app. And then there's one for Narcotics Anonymous as well. You know, sexual abuse. My sister, uh, if you reach out to me, if there's something like that going on, my sister is the director of... Um, the women's shelter in Evanston, Wyoming, which is 70 miles away from here. Well, what's Chris's foundation? And Safe Harbor. Safe Harbor. Safe Chris, Harbor. Chris was uh, is a therapist that's been on the show a couple times. She was the director for Safe Harbor, which is a uh, women's shelter here in, in Utah. In, for in domestic Davis violence, County, for right? domestic violence. Uh, mm-hmm. She no longer does that. She went to work for the state, but we're still connected with them. Um, you know, so, yes. yeah. And what about, so when can people expect another episode of The Other Side of Hell? I would say... I June pe- 3rd is then. We have something on the calendar. We, we have something scheduled. We have uh, an episode to shoot. I think within a month, we, we should start seeing new episodes of The Other Side of Hell. Nice. It's going to look a little bit different. We're in a different space. Um, it's going to be the same old show, but hopefully have a new sort yeah, we of... We have a lot re- more problems. Refreshed vibe. <laughs> Some, and, some new humility. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like I feel a lot more raw kind of going into yeah. it now, which, mm. you know, when you're doing this stuff, there's this idea that, hey, I'm on a recovery podcast, so I should be perfect. Yeah, and then, ego yeah, like you, you feel like, uh, you know, you can't share certain things or you want to maybe not be as open Look with certain with, with certain things. And I think that we're both to this point where it's like, hmm. That that's just not Garden reality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus, God help me. <clears throat> Thought I'd be better by now. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I I am. I've come a long way. I've come a long way. All right. Well, it's the end of the episode again. I, you know, I don't have anything to say. People said, you know, maybe put an ending here so that it's not so jarring at the end. But if I don't have anything to say. You know, whatever. So, uh, look, I love you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>